0: From Vistio, this is recorded for Quality Assurance,
1: a show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business.
0: Welcome to CXQA Live, where we discuss the essential nature of the agent in contact center operations. And this week on the show, we're discussing another question that we recently asked CX agents in a safe space where they're going to answer their real thoughts. We're going to talk about what their answers were, what the answers mean, and how CX leaders can think about those answers. Now, here on CXQA Live, We believe that agents are their single most important asset in CX operations. And we also believe that agents with the right training and tools and connection with your company are going to be a revenue growth and protection center for your business or brand. We believe they'll be the best diagnostic tool that you have for your business. We think that agents that are equipped properly and feel connected to your brand are going to ensure that your customers are satisfied and connected to the brand, that they're going to produce more and better work, and that they're going to want to stick around and contribute to the long-term success of your company. And we call this the agent-centric contact center philosophy. Now, this week, once again, I'm joined by my partner in crime, the CX gift that keeps on giving, the ever-jolly Jacob Matys, and that's Jacob with a K. Jacob, thanks for being here, and thanks for bringing your passion to CX, to everything that we do, man.
1: Yeah. You know, man, I'm, I'm always glad to be a part of the conversation. I love that we get to do this uh, every single week. I'm looking forward to it. So I wanted to start with something that inspires me
0: all the time in the work that I do. And that is great experiences that I have had as a customer with agents. So I've got a problem. I call in, or I need information and I call in. And I would really love for you, Jake, just to share one example of a great experience that you've had with an agent recently from the perspective of a customer.
1: Yeah, uh, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because it, it really reinforces why we do what we do. Um, I'm actually in the middle of a, of, a, of a move. That's why this wall behind me is bare and has no pictures because we're getting ready to relocate. Um, and as a result of that move, I've actually had to call a couple different utility companies and I had to call and get my renter's insurance changed over as well. So the company that I was with initially, um, they actually don't cover the new location. So they referred me to a sister company. And of course, being in the industry that I'm in, uh, before we got transferred. I asked her, Hey, is there a way I could fill out like a customer satisfaction survey because this call has been excellent uh, to which she informed me, no, we're still working on that. So I went over to the new company and I was really amazed just at the fact that one, the agent was very pleasant and friendly, but two, he also got all the information from that other company already, which made my transition so seamless. Uh, I only had to give him my address again, but he already knew my name. He already knew why I was calling. But I told him at the end of the call, I said, I got to say, you guys have made this transition to this company so seamless and simple. Like, please tell me there's a way that I can like give back and, and help out. And I think he was taken aback a bit because, honestly, when people are dealing with contact center agents, uh, they tend to be a little bit more, let's say, less jolly uh, than myself. So... Uh, he was really excited. And he's like, well, you know, we're still in the process of implementing uh, like customer satisfaction surveys, and they're kind of random. But uh, I made sure I made it a point, I got an email and filled it out immediately and talked about my experience and how incredible it was. And what really led to it is just the fact that everything was so simple for me uh, on the customer end, I, I didn't have to repeat myself too many times, they already knew why I was calling, what I was doing, I got a great rate and everything. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was a great experience to have being that we're in this industry already.
0: Yeah, I mean, from our survey that we talked about last week, the number one thing that CX agents would change about their work is the pay. The number two thing that they would change is to get more respect from customers.
1: Yeah, and that's a big one.
0: Right, so I know I'm like you, you know, being in CX, whenever I talk to an agent, you know unless they're very unprofessional they're going to get some positive interaction from me and be shown respect either way but the kind of interaction that you had with those agents i'm sure was encouraging to them but also they earned it you know they and their company and the way that their their company had a lot of that set up was designed to provide a good customer experience from the get-go. And then they had good follow-through. And obviously the training was what it needed to be. And so you as a customer, especially now that you're super dialed in and you're paying attention to all these dynamics more than most, but you as a customer, you are sitting there loving it. It's like, this is not even half the hassle that it usually is to set up a new utility, which can be a real pain. It really can. Um, So I've got one I wanted to share too. I was working with a company and and exploring some options with their service that they have. And I had an account question and I, I logged in and I wasn't seeing any of the information associated with my account. I just saw the shell of an account and a chat window popped up. And I'll be the first to say I've had mixed experiences with chat windows, uh, whether it be a chat bot whether it be a human agent on the other end of the chat it it feels sometimes very truncated and less than human even when you're talking to a human on a chat but you know the name of the agent popped up and the agent introduced himself and and you know was very engaging and said i noticed that you've logged into your account but there really isn't any information here so i was getting preemptive I understand kind of what's going on from the very moment that I first had the interaction and it followed into a conversation about what, you know, why am I not seeing any of this stuff? It's very confusing. And in about 30 seconds, he was able to identify the fact that I actually had two accounts. I had a duplicate account and one of them, I spelled my email address wrong. And it was the one with the wrong email address that I had used to actually get all of the information associated with it to further my relationship with their company. So he was able to a identify that in like 30 seconds, which I think shows that they've got the right tools at the hands yeah. of their agents, right? They're not saying, "Oh, let me contact IT to figure out about the accounts or the help desk people." No, he is equipped. The guy that's talking to me is equipped to solve an account level problem and he had it fixed within another 2 minutes and then explained everything I needed to do next. And I'm already thinking this is one of the best, you know, experiences ever in a chat window and and with CX in general, you know, and I, and I, there wasn't a chance to put in a survey, you know, within the chat window, but within a minute of closing the chat session, I got a follow-up email with this dude's picture, a short bio and an opportunity to rate him as well as to rate the overall experience that I had getting support from their company and and i just thought that was amazing right so not not only did i have a better connection with their company because this guy was well equipped not only with the training but the tools that he needed but also because he was very proactive and engaging and took care of my issue but then i felt more connected to that company after seeing that dude's face in my email and a short bio about him that i ever really thought i i would like you know i'm not probably going to go hang out at this company's hq and, you know, take everybody to lunch. But I feel like they want me to feel some kind of connection with them. Right. And so uh, I thought that was really well done. And the follow through was really well done. And it enabled me to provide some good follow up for the agent as well. Uh, That's a question I want to start asking CX leaders on a regular basis when they come on the show is to tell us about a great CX experience that you've had from the perspective of a customer. So I think that's a helpful little little nugget for us all to keep in mind what it's like to be a customer. And sometimes we can lose sight of that simply because we're looking at metrics and we're looking at business cases and, and all these kinds of things. Now, I do want to get to the main focus of today's show. Uh, this, this week, again, I asked a question in one of the Facebook groups, actually a couple of the Facebook groups that are filled with CX agents. That I'm a part of, and that I'm always listening to and learning from. The question was this: Do you consider being an agent, a CX agent, your career? And we've talked about this on the show many times, you know, where unfortunately, because of pay, because of lack of respect from customers, because of lots of things, a lot of agents don't see themselves staying in that role for very long. And on the flip side, CX leaders and certainly the PL holders for that part of the business sort of have accepted a high level of turnover, knowing that people aren't going to stick around. And so it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that nobody's going to want to stick around. So we shouldn't worry about investing in them as though they will. And then that makes them want to stick around even less. And it's sort of a, a self-fulfilling cycle of unfortunateness. Um, you know, I think One of our great friends, Leslie Oflahaven, calls it a lasagna of stupid. Um, It's one of my favorite all-time quotes, and I will definitely tag you in this later, Leslie, because that's just amazing. Um, But it really is stupid to allow this cycle to continue, right? And you see it in the results of this survey where 65% of the agents responding said absolutely not. And 40% of those were like, not even just like, no, it's not what I want to do. 40% of that 65% said, get me out of here right now. Like I'm pulling the rip cord, eject, please let me do anything else. Now, a couple of other things I want to talk about is we're going to get back to some of the core issues that we know are at the heart of this, but some of the lower scoring results which I always on these surveys, I allow people to add their own answers and select the answer that they've added and not just stick to the ones that I you know, have put in because I learn more that way, right? And I would argue that businesses doing customer response-based surveys, you'd probably learn a lot more about your company and about your customer and about how your agents are interacting with them and your company's interacting with them if you let them put in some of their own answers, Because maybe you're forcing them down avenues of answering and responding that don't really correspond to their experience. And maybe more importantly than that, aren't going to teach you what you really need to know. So I would encourage you guys who are building customer response surveys to consider this as well. Also businesses that are taking leads online or any other form of interaction If you can at least provide some opportunity for people to tell you what they're really thinking, in most cases, you'll find there's a lot of benefit to that. Now, here's what I'm going to let you know came up, that it doesn't really surprise me because especially the last two years, it's been a big theme. But for it to show up in a situation where we're asking if they want to make it a career or not really blew me away. And that is the ability to work from home. So there are people who said, yes, I consider it my new career, my forever career, because it allows me to work from home. And I think that that's something that should be very telling for the CX decision makers that are out there, because at the end of the day, what we're trying to provide to our customers and to our employees is value. And if the customers are interacting with agents who don't feel valued, whose requirements in order to earn a paycheck don't fit within their life, don't make sense to them, don't add to their life. If the work doesn't add to life overall, when you when you do the math at the end of the day, and I know the end of the year is a time where I tend to do a lot of reflecting and I'm very thankful for the role that I have and the people that I get to do my work with and and for and all of that. And I This is like the best year in that regard for me without doubt. But there are people all over this world who are not coming up with the same answers. There are people all over this world who they're sitting there and they're taking stock and they're saying, 2022 is about to end. 2023 is about to get started. And I work most of those days, right? Is work really what drives me? For most people, the answer is no. For most people, they want their work, and I think it should be this way generally, to serve their life, to allow their family relationships and their overall well-being as a person to thrive. So if we're sitting here and we're talking about why most agents don't want to be in a career that looks like their current job as a CX agent. There are a lot of answers as to why that would be. But what showed up in this survey is that people were filling in, yes, I do because I get to work from home, even more so than than pay. They say they want more pay and they say they want more respect from customers. That was last week's survey, but there are people literally writing in and it was like 15% of the respondents were writing in and checking the box of yes, because I get to work from home. And I think that's really significant. So as There's a lot of pressure to go back to the office in a lot of companies, especially bigger companies. And there's some good reasons in some cases for that. It's it's certainly not a one size fits all decision or dynamic. But when we talk about what's helping companies retain agents and feel like their work is a better fit for their life, you take away that commute, you take away that, um, you know, requirement that you have to plan all your life's logistics around being out of the home. You take away the ability in the future to maybe even switch jobs, which by the way, companies are like, well, I don't want them to feel like they can switch jobs. Well, do a better job of supporting and paying them and you won't have a problem. But saying to them, we need you to come to the office in order to have a job uh, fits in some industries, fits in some contexts, fits in some cities better than others. But the truth is that with the technology that we have and the way that the internet is set up for interactions between people, be it chat, be it email, be it voice, there's a really unique opportunity to continue to provide that kind of life value for CX agents that helps them to think more along the lines of, this is my career, right? Now, certainly that's not the only issue. And I, and I want to delve into one that we know is there. I'm not going to talk about pay. I'm not going to talk about work from home, but I don't want to talk about ownership or empowerment is another term that you hear a lot, right? The empowerment of the agent. I don't know about you guys, but as a customer, I have at times felt really bad for the agents I was talking to who literally could not help me. They wanted to, they knew that something needed to be done, but they either had a policy. That makes no sense. And I actually had an, an interaction with this uh, just a few weeks ago where a utility would not process my cancellation until my final payment went through. My final payment took four business days, which put me into the next billing cycle by one business day. And their terms that I accepted do not allow for prorating of a term. So, in other words, because they're, you know, payment merchant situation wouldn't clear my payment and it pushed into the next billing cycle. I had to pay for an entire month for one day of technically still being a customer. And I'm on the phone with the agent and the agent said, it's really bad. I had this call all day. Everybody's understandably upset, but you did sign the terms and conditions, which means there's really nothing I can do for you. And And in the case of utility, when you don't really have very many options, there's not much competition, it increases the likelihood of that kind of, uh, I'll call it junk policy, where it's all about extracting extra revenue from customers and the dissatisfaction there. But I felt for that agent because they felt a sense of injustice right along with me. And we just kind of had to go, "Mm, okay, well, this this is what it is, right? Now I've also been on you know interactions as a customer where and I and I shared one earlier in this in this time that we've had where an agent was literally equipped and empowered to make decisions and to take actions that would satisfy the customer need increase the customer loyalty to the brand because let's be honest I'm not going to go back to that utility if I have a choice ever because they burned me and they did it in a way that I had no recourse Their policy was terrible and the agent had no way of doing anything for me because the policy is set that way on purpose to burn customers. But in cases where the agent not only doesn't have to deal with a junk policy, but agents have the abilities, the tools at their fingertips to do what is right and what is best. And they're given that empowerment. They're given that ownership. This is where you see not only the customer experience thriving, but the agent experience thriving where the agent feels so much more fulfilled in their work because they know they're actually solving customer problems. They know they're able to, and are trusted to make some decisions, right? And your technology tools can be built out to help with some of those decisions to, you know, use rules based, you know, steps to figure out, you know, what the right answer is according to policy. It doesn't all have to be somebody's judgment depends on how your tech stack is set up and your training is set up and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, for an agent to have to escalate to a supervisor for something that happens several times a day, just because they've not been empowered and equipped to make that decision and to take that action, even though the supervisor is going to make the same decision every time, that's bad in so many ways. That's so much additional cost to your call center right off the bat. Everybody knows escalations are not something you want a surplus of. You want to try to slim down the number of escalations, but that customer also now has to wait for a decision. That customer is now further inconvenienced. And then I'm going to go right back to that agent. That agent is not able to decide something. The company has already decided. We just have to escalate it just because. So that sense of ownership, we see it in all of the agent feedback. And we we see it in the numbers too. By the way, those of you holding PL and CX, those of you that are required to build out business cases for tech and for training, giving your agents the maximum ownership that they are able to hold over the interaction with your customer is a very, very, very good thing. You should strive for that in the way that you design your CX strategy. Now, I promised it is holiday spirit time here at CXQA Live, and I am CX Clause. So I promised a giveaway, and there is, of course, a nice little connection between what I was just talking about and today's giveaway book. So today's book is The Customer Rules by Lee Cockerell, and and it's a really great book. And and the format of it is guaranteed to provide good discussion with your CX team and food for thought. If you're like me, you may not agree with 100% of the rules in this book. Fully, And that's a good thing because it gets your creative juices and your thinking caps on, and it gives you something to talk about and think about with your teams. And I would argue that that's one of the greatest gifts you can give anybody in a professional environment is something to talk about that's meaningful, that refines you, that makes you better at what you do. Uh, But this is set up in a set of rules. There are 39 rules, and they're all worth the time to read and discuss. And, uh, you know, Lee's done a lot. He's, he's been in the, the Disney universe providing customer experiences and he's got a consulting firm that's done quite a bit to help leaders think outside the box about CX strategies. And I can't recommend his content enough, but there are a couple of chapters in here. This is rule number 11 and it starts on page 47 and the rule number 11 reads like this. Become an expert at creating experts. I remember somebody saying to me in a leadership seminar one time if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And that really stuck with me because ultimately you need to surround yourself with very competent people. No matter what your place or their place is on the organizational chart, no matter who answers to who, you want to be surrounded by people who not only are intelligent, but who are equipped and freed up to thrive in their role, right? You don't wanna have people who are beat down and told you're not smart enough to do something, or we need to hold your hand every time you do this, even though you do it 30 times a day. And that actually keeps people from being satisfied in their work, and it reduces the quality of their work. But there's a section right here, and I really think it's really fun to talk about it. There's a statement that he makes quoting someone else, that the only way to get excellent is with training, education, and empowerment. And then he goes on to say, this means educating everyone in the organization about what the company does from its mission statement and corporate philosophy to its full line of products and services, and even to its business model. Only when employees are solidly grounded in knowledge about the company and its products, will they be equipped to serve properly when they're face-to-face, voice-to-voice, or keyboard-to-keyboard with your customers. And so I think a lot of times in business, the tendency is to say, well, that person is only an agent. They don't need to understand the back end of the business. We just need them to follow the script. We just need them to adhere to what we teach them to do. And certainly in some industries and in some types of interactions, there's not a whole lot of room for engagement. And and so I get it, you know, we're kind of talking in generalities, but in most cases, Because you are dealing with humans. You're dealing with somebody who woke up that morning to go to work and they don't just want to be a machine because they're not, they're more than that, right? They're, they're a human with emotions and thoughts and, and, and goals in life. And they want to add something to the world with their work and giving somebody the ability to understand the why that the company has, not just the one that is in the marketing. Okay. Because we all know that can be very different. But here's hoping that the marketing why shows up in the way that the business is operated on a daily basis, right? And the values and the way that the supervisors train and encourage and equip and empower all of those throughout the company. And when you do that, you give them a deeper why. You give them the, this is how we make money. This is how we take care of our customers. This is why we do it the way that we do it, right? You're talking now about somebody, a human who's sitting there on the other side of that screen holding or with that headset on, who's excited to help that customer, who's excited to bring value to that customer. And then the other chapter, the other rule I wanted to bring up, and this is on page 148 and everybody who has shown up today is going to get a copy of this book. So go ahead and drop your information, your email address in the chat, just your email address and Jacob will reach out to you and we'll make sure we get these books out to you guys uh, in the next couple of weeks. But rule number 32 reads like this. Don't give responsibility without authority. Think about that. Don't give responsibility without authority. And I think this is a challenge for most leaders, right? Um, Because what we don't want to do is put somebody in a position as an employee where they're not equipped to handle the situation. We don't want to put them in a situation where they don't have the best interest of the business in mind. And I would argue that maybe we need to grow our view here a little bit because ultimately people are dissatisfied with work all over the place, right? People in CX agent work are saying, I don't want to do this anymore. 40% of the respondents said, get me out of here right now. This isn't even good enough for right now. This isn't even something I want to do another minute if I don't have to. And one of the reasons that that is, is because they're told what to do. They're told to solve the customer problem but they're not even given the power to do it. They're not even given the authority to do it. And this is where you see secondary and tertiary problems in the metrics of all the number of escalations that you've got to have. If you've got to escalate a call just to do something that your policy says you're going to do every single time, integrate that policy into what your frontline employee, your frontline agent is able to do in the initial interaction, your agent satisfaction and retention will improve and your customer experience is going to improve overnight. Oh, and by the way, that means your costs are going to improve, which means your profitability is going to improve, which, by the way, means everybody wins. See, CX clauses bring in the gifts. So we're going to end with that today. I think these conversations, connecting these dots, are so important. And I would encourage anybody who's watching this content to go find places where CX agents are in the world providing support and encouragement to each other, learning from each other and listen to what they're saying. If you're a CX leader and you're not taking, I don't know, 15 minutes a week to go do that, you're missing out on solid gold. And that's also saying, please, please, please go spend time with your own agents. Spend time with them virtually, physically, if you're working from the same location, but understand them. We want to amplify the VOA, the voice of the agent, because when the voice of the agent is understood, when the agent is properly valued, everybody, including the shareholders and the C-suite and the customer and the agent and everyone else in the picture wins. Happy holidays from CXQA Live. We will not be having a show next week, so we will see you in two weeks. Take care.
1: to a recording of this and other episodes visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts and to join our show live each week go to vistio.io forward slash cx live